Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the U.S. US Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman, and if you'll excuse me for just one moment while I share the fact that we are live on our social media platforms, you can follow me on Parlor. search for Shock Monkey Radio, where I'm posting right now. I post, we're live, with an exclamation point, and I post, hit control V, and parlay. And so we are live, we are live, and I posted on Facebook and Parlor. so we're ready to go here on Shock Monkey Radio. Did I do the, yeah, I did the warning already. So I want to say thank you to EK for providing me the buzz to keep me going, because sometimes I need to get a buzz to get through this show. I'm not actually very uh, outgoing, as they might say, but I pretty much confine all of my all the things I need to say into one hour of my life, and that is this hour here on Shock Monkey Radio. So I've been thinking about Christmas. Christmas is coming, and so of course I've been thinking about what what do I want for Christmas. Now, you know, there's a, a, a book I really want to read. It's called The Death of Cool. The Death of Cool. It's by a writer named Gavin McInnes. M-C-I-N-N-E-S. Gavin McInnes. And I would really like to read that because I want to know what it's like, what it was like <laughs> for kids of my generation who were cool. Because I have no idea. I was never cool. So, but really, what do I want for Christmas other than a book, you know, that you get very, very, uh, uh, very cheaply used <laughs> search for the death of cool. Uh, it's very cheap used. And, you know, that's what's, that's, what's great about, uh, used books is used books. You know, they, their value never really changes. If you ask me, oh, the cover's damaged. I mean, it's different when it comes to comic books, obviously, uh, because people, uh, uh, uh the comic book people, they really, they really, uh, they started that whole thing with the, the mint in box kind of concept. Yeah, I don't like the lights in here. I might have to move them around here in a second. Okay, so that being said, what do I want for Christmas? And so uh, I thought about it long and hard, and so I came up with a couple of options for you. If you're thinking about getting the Madman, yours truly, a gift this Christmas. And so I've narrowed it down to these these three. These three. Now, I would pref- I would like either an Airwolf or a kit. I prefer a kit. And if you give me a kit, I want a, I want that kit programmed um, to uh, actively hate on Ford, like the car, the car company. It's like to actively hate on Ford. So if you're getting me something, uh, a kit actively on Ford, uh, actively actively pissy about Ford. It's like, oh, is that a Ford? Found on road dead, running by us. I was like, that's right, kid. It was a Ford. I would love to have kit like that. Hey, EK, can we possibly move this light just a little bit this way? The reflection in my glasses. Uh, what else do I want for this Christmas? Um, I would basically, I want a new, a new version of the, uh, of the Nexus 6. Here's the here's the model number the the N N six F A B two one four one six press basic pleasure model. All right, I would like a new one of those because the last one I had, you know, I le- I lent it out to a friend 
And yeah, <laughs> I lent I lent out my old one to a friend, and uh, when I got it back, she like did, you know she broke my hip, she dislocated my shoulder, you know she just really went all haywire. So um, if you had to get me something, get me a press model. Um, but I would prefer that you got me a Cherry Two Thousand because everyone prefers a Cherry Two Thousand, right? I want a Cherry Two Thousand. So kit and Cherry Two Thousand. Yeah, I'm still getting the reflection in my eyes. You got to get it like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> One more thing I would like for Christmas this year is the helmet of Naboo or the greatest American hero suit. Obviously, I prefer the helmet of Naboo, and I don't want any of that, that cosplay bullshit. Okay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, but most of all, this Christmas, I want your patronage. And so all you have to do is to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, $3 a month, and you know what? Here's a secret between you and me. That price might go down very soon. Very soon. I'm not saying I want to put it pin it on any specific day because I'm not sure if I'm Jewish or who uh, who's a... I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm Jewish <laughs> Or or I'm Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa in, or uh, what, or a pagan, or whatever, whatever you celebrate. So I don't know. Maybe sometime this month the price might go down. So if you want to wait till the new year, I would understand. But I really would love your patronage over at Patreon.com/slash/ShockMonkeyRadio, or you can uh, send me cash through Cash App. Use cash tag ShockMonkeyRadio. And if you can't, if you can't send me anything this Christmas, I would understand. And the best thing you can do is like, share, and subscribe the content that you find on this uh, channel. Let's go with channel. Podcast. Podcast channel. That covers it. See, I need a buzz to deal with you people. Anyway, so I'd appreciate it if you did all of that. So I was thinking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I was thinking about the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A lot of ofs in those sentences. That being said, it's like, you know, it's usually depicted as like an apple. You know, it's like Adam and Eve, they plucked, Eve plucked an apple. The snake told her, it's like, you want an apple, don't you? And, you know, let's be honest, you know, some naked lady walking in the woods runs across an apple tree. Do you really need a snake to say, hey, <laughs> that looks good? I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, you could blame it on the snake, blame it on the snake, if you will. But at some point, you know, you have to wonder: was it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil really an apple? You see, I don't think it was really an apple. After all, when people talk about where Eden began, where Eden might be, it's poss possibly, I think, I think it's called the Fertile Crescent. <coughs> Excuse me, it's in, um, it's in Iraq now. <laughs> I think it's uh, the area in between the Tigris and Euphrates River. You know, that's where people say the Garden, e Garden of Eden must have been because it's so lush and stuff there. And it's just nightmare <laughs> everywhere else in Iraq. And so um, uh, I, I, I don't know if that's where Eden was. But I also don't think that apple trees are native to that region. Okay. Apple trees, they, send, they tend to be further north or, or south in the hemispheres. As it, or flourish better in those areas, if I'm not mistaken. That being said, it's like, I don't think, I don't think that it was a, an apple. 
as the, as the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. I think it was probably more of a tropical fruit. It was a, possibly a banana. I don't know. One could argue that a banana is a berry, not necessarily a fruit, but let's be honest. Berries are fruit. Aren't berries fruit? I think they are. And you know, it's fruit. Fruit is plural already. You don't, you don't say Chinese is. That being said, that being said, do you think that Eve like peeled the banana and deep throated it and say, Hey Adam, like tapped him on the shoulder. Hey Adam, check this out. Uh, what does that make you think of? Uh. <laughs> deep throated the banana. And that's when God came down and said, that is, that is the knowledge of good and evil. Spit on the microphone. My bad. That is the knowledge of good and evil. Now I need to punish you because you're making jokes. Or maybe it was a peach. Maybe Adam got a hold of a peach, took a bite out of a peach, and it's like, hey, Eve, look at this. What's that? Look, check through that. And he, like, flicks his tongue vigorously against the bite of the peach. And then God comes down from heaven and is like, that is the knowledge of good and evil. Unfortunately, that kind of idea kind of lends itself to the concept that God has no sense of humor. And that being said, is like, I think God has a sense of humor. After all, he made us. He made the platypus. He made the octopus. Do you know the octopus is scary as shit? <laughs> they have people, go, to, go on YouTube. Go on YouTube later and search for like octopus escaping from shit. <laughs> you're, bound to, you're bound to find something that's like terrify you about going into the water ever again. Like I said, I have thalassophobia, which is a fear of the ocean, and it's because of things like that, because of octopi. Octopuses? Grinch? Grinches? Grinche? Grinchot? Grinch? Grinches. I don't know. But what do you think the knowledge of good and evil was? What do you think the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was? I think it was probably a banana. Because the first, the first person who put, plucked a banana from the banana bunch and put it on their crotch, I don't know. That's the kind of the knowledge of good and evil. Because you can understand why that's funny. You can understand why that's funny if you have the knowledge of good and evil. If you had no knowledge of good and evil, you wouldn't know why that is funny. So maybe, maybe humor didn't exist before <laughs> Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. <laughs> they ate of the fruit. I love that phrase. They ate of the fruit like uh eh, just a little bit. <laughs> just one bite. <laughs> God won't notice. <laughs> well, the bears must have got into them. Well, you told me to name them. I don't care if you think they're called dogs, God. Anyway, I'm gonna move on to this next topic. Ooh, this buzz is nice. Let's keep it right there for the show. So um, there are some, there have been some people who've come around this studio who uh, were a little upset. They were a little upset that I mentioned that wrestling is gay. And I, I say it that way. I mentioned that wrestling is gay because it's gay. And uh, a lot of people these days don't like people point, pointing out the obvious. And so, uh, I just wish people would understand that, you know, I, um, there are plenty of things about me that you could say are gay about me. <laughs> All right. You could say that, you know, my lack of interest in social dynamics, social, social relationships, uh, proves that I, I'm, uh, like asexual, you know, because I don't care about humans that much. 
And so uh, you could say that, or you could just come up to me and say, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. And I might say something like from your first cigarette to your last dying day. And that is because I love musicals. Do you love musicals? I bet you do. If you give a shit at all about music, if you love music at all, you probably love musicals. All right. And I appreciate anyone who even tries a musical. All right. And let me tell you something. It's like, you know, I can give 13 stars to something or one star to something. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's it. If you have an opinion on it, you know, a, a strong opinion on anything, it's worth wor- worthwhile in this day and age. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when you when you uh, if you get offended about me talking about hey you know, people who like wrestling are gay, <laughs> if you if you get offended by me saying something like that, then I suggest you just fire back at me something to the effect of you know. Uh, <sighs> Ooh, what's a good what's a good uh? I don't know any Les Miserables songs right off the top of my head. I'm buzzed, obviously. Just start singing, singing a song from a musical, all right? And then you'll, like, it's like, oh, oh, the madman's obviously gay. You're gay, madman. That's what you say. You say, you're gay, madman, because you like musicals. No, I love music, and I love musical theater, and okay, maybe I'm gay. It's like, no, I'm not gay. I just love music, (laughs) and so, and I think that uh, uh, musical theater is a, is a fantastic place to showcase all of the talents that human beings possess. Now I'm going to list a few uh, uh, musicals that I like. All right. So I'm talking about musicals like West Side Story, like Avenue Q, like Phantom of the Opera, Les Miserables, Hamlet 2, The Nightman Cometh, <laughs> Mamma Mia, Hairspray, Frozen, Aladdin, Beauty of the Beast, Mary fucking Poppins, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Little Shop of Horrors, and even Saturday Night Fever. And if I didn't mention any certain musical, there's probably a good reason for it. Because I either love or hate a musical. And that means a strong opinion on it either way. Like you didn't hear me mention Sweeney Todd. You didn't hear me mention that at all. Master of the house. And you know, plus I don't I don't I don't really get Bollywood. I really don't get it. I think there's a cultural divide that I really don't understand. I mean, I'm the West is the best. The West is the best. Ride the snake to the lake, the ancient lake. Ladies and gentlemen, the genius. It's hard to not laugh to, to when trying to put the word genius and Jim Morrison together. Ooh, comment in the in the comments if you disagree with me about that. <laughs> Jim Morrison was overrated. Kurt Cobain was overrated. The Beatles were overrated. Anyway, that being said, is it you know? I guess I come from. I grew up in a world where you know they would make fun of you for for anything for being gay. Oh, you play a guitar? That's gay. Oh, you read comic books, guys in tights? <laughs> That's not gay. <laughs> you know, it's it doesn't mean anything. It's just like uh, it's obvious that it's gay. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> what and what I mean is that of liking comic books or liking musicals. 
well, you know, down on Skid Row. All my life, I've been poor. I keep asking God what I'm for, and he tells me, gee, I'm not sure. Sweep that floor, kid. You know, I started life as an orphan, a child of the streets. But here on Skid Row, I got to stop. I got to stop because I love musicals way too much, way too much. And I I particularly like eclectic musicals, uh, particularly like uh, The Nightman Cometh. I, I think that that's a brilliant piece of musical theater that needs to be copied and <laughs> be on every street corner. It needs to be on Broadway, damn it. Bring your gun. Okay, so I'm going to move on to this next topic from making fun of gay people, I guess, to making fun of lesbians. So um, is that really changing? I don't know. Um, so I've been having a lot of weird dreams about the White Canary. Now, I don't know if you've watched The Legends of Tomorrow on uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Is it the CW, the, the kid channel that plays that, that kind of stuff? So I've been rewatching Legends of Tomorrow, and uh, I, th- I think I got a real crush on the White Canary. I don't even know her name. Perhaps I should look her up. And I, don't, I think it's just um, uh, Freckles, Freckles on Fit Women. Actress. Katie Lotz. Yeah, she's a looker. And I think it's just, um, first of all, she looks real, real. Her, her makeup is minimal in the show. <laughs> Apparently, there's uh, plenty of pictures of, wait, no, this is not the one, I think. Let me, let me make sure. From San Diego. Yep, that's her. Katie Lotz. Born in 86. Jesus. <laughs> I'm 10 years older than her. <laughs> Ugh, by a smidge. And so, um, anyway, so she is, I don't know. I think it's like a fit girls with freckles. And here's something I'll never understand. It's something I never understood uh, when, when growing up as a kid. It's like these, uh, these girls who grow up, they're, they're all fre- befreckled, bespeckled. <laughs> they had freckles and they're very self-conscious about them. And I just, you, you know, yeah, ladies, girls, let that go because, you know, there are plenty of guys. There are plenty of guys in the world that love that kind of stuff. I mean, um, uh, it's like vitiligo, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it makes you unique. It, I mean, it adds to your texture as a human being, if you ask me. And, uh, yeah, I think I just have a thing for girls with freckles. Don't, you know, don't blame me. Plus, I have a thing for girls who are strong and confident, and White Canary is strong and confident. However, when it comes to other characters that come in the CW universe when it, uh, on, on these DC shows, uh, you'll see these female characters who are also strong and confident, but real bitchy. Real, real bitchy, and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good-looking females running all over the the wave rider that ship. You know, there's lots of them. But uh, I mean, Amaya, yeah. Amaya, this is this is a tough call for me because it's kind of a, the opposite of the argument I'm making. Amaya is not as attractive as uh, Charlie <laughs> in Amaya's form, and that's because you know there's uh, there's more personality involved with Charlie than there is with Amaya. 
And I, I like that. And uh, Sarah Lance, the captain of the Wave Rider, she is uh, she's a, a woman in charge, a woman of power. And, you know, I was in the Navy. You know, I, I you know dealt with women in power. You know, it happens. Oh, God forbid there's a woman in charge. It doesn't bother me at all as long as she's qualified for the job. And so when Rip Hunter selected her to be the captain of the Wave Rider, it made sense to me because, yes, she's a she's a no-nonsense chick. You know, she takes care, of, takes care of business, but she's also not bitchy about it. She's quite jovial about all the things that they do. She's always cracking jokes. I love that about Sarah Lance. I love that about the White Canary. But in many other female roles, you know, a lot of these females tend to be portrayed as bitchy. And I don't know if it's the if it's the acting or the writing, but at some point you have to say is like you know, um, at you're you're kind of emulating a stereotypical male traits at some point, especially when you when you're talking about the that bat bitch, what's her name, Batwoman, Bat Lady, Bat Bitch. When you're talking about somebody like that, you know they're just they're just rude. Rude, and if and if that behavior came from a man, where they're just dismissive and like stupid, g- insert gender here, you know, and you're just stupid because you're a man, you know. If they, if they said something like that, you know, you're just, well, why? It's like that's not that's not a mark of leadership. That's not a mark of a leader. You know, a leader needs to be liked, <laughs> and I'm not saying that you know. Um, that they should actively try to be liked. I think that they should be likable. This is like that, that who they naturally are is likable. And the character of Sarah Lance is likable. And that's why she makes a good leader because she's not bitchy about it. And she cracks jokes, you know, and when she says these horrible misandrous things, they're always, they're, they, they're pretty much always asides to other females out of earshot of somebody else. If you want to be a feminazi in the dark corners of your girl's locker room, by all means, in my opinion. But I mean, a leader, a leader or a sexy female is not bitchy. They're a little bit bitchy, bitchy to the point where uh, they're not going to let you get away with bullshit. All right. So like I said, I've been in the military and I've had plenty of women who are higher ranking than me. And sometimes you get, you know, a, a, a smart, smart white girl who is a little a bitchy enough to call you on your bullshit, you know, or, or a smart black girl who's called, you're not, you're not pulling that shit seam and so and so. And God bless them. They absolutely deserve those roles because they are likable and they're not, they're like no nonsense. And there's nothing wrong with being no-nonsense, even as a woman. I don't think that it detracts from your femininity at all, at all. In fact, I appreciate directness in females. You want to fuck? No. Okay. Boom. Problem is solved. That, that issue has been put to bed. There's no will they, won't they in my head, all young and the restless style. I don't care about any of that shit. Just yes or no. No? Okay. We can move on with our day. And so I have a lot of things to say, because like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, I think is that I was watching Supergirl and I just had enough. I had enough of all the misandrous nonsense going on in there and all, you know, Alex 
Alex, the beautiful Alex Danvers chooses to be gay and that's a problem, but you know, uh, somebody choosing to be a man or a woman when they're a man is okay. And, you know, I think that's, that runs uh, counter to what people are saying these days. After all, it's like if femininity is sacred, it should be sacred and it is sacred, you know, and there, you know, women come in all different flavors. Absolutely. Some are freckles, some are vitiligo. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, and they all have different personalities and I love that about them. I love uh, the variety. It's hard to make a decision as a man is like, who do you go after? Because they're all so beautiful and they're all so wonderful. But sometimes you run into a bitch and some people say that you, you can't say that a woman is a bitch or being bitchy. It's like, I'm sorry, there is a bitch. There's also a dickhead. You know, if you're in a workplace and the captain's a dickhead, they're a dickhead. Rip Hunter, big dickhead. Big dickhead. Good call, Rip Hunter, by picking a better leader <laughs> for that ship than, <laughs> than you. Because Rip Hunter is a big dick. He's a big, selfish dick. So is John Constantine. Anyway, so I'm going to go on to this last subject before we get into the news worth knowing. And that is, I fucking hate drama. I hate drama with a passion. And let me tell you why I want to talk about this. This is about something that happened very recently, and it's really irritating the hell out of me. I can't stand the drama, all right? The leader of my guild rage quit last week, all right? And uh, it was after a raid. We, we did um, the AQ. I forget what that's called. NQ whatever. We did that. And um, then they did like I, I, I had to log off because they they're on late they're in like mountain time and stuff like that so they ran late and then they ran Upper Black Rock Spire and apparently this is what I've heard this is just like passive listening in guild chat okay and what I heard is there were some words exchanged after a failed Upper Black Rock Spire raid or something like I like I know all right and so the the guild leader rage quit. And made some other dude leader who is obviously uh, unqualified. Let's put it that way. He is obviously unqualified. And so uh, a whole bunch, I would say like 50% of our daily <laughs> login people quit the guild after this. And so over the last, I don't know, like a week or so, you know, it's like most of our guild has disappeared. You know, and there's people talking. There's still people in chat, and they're still talking. Blah, 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 blah. What did so and so say? It's like I don't know. What did Nugget Munch? What did Nugget Munch? What did Nugget Munch, the gnome warlock, say? It's like, well, Nugget Munch said. It's like, who gives a shit what Nugget Munch said? All right, this is my game. This is my game experience, and the and I am fucking pissed. I am pissed off that these massive multiplayer online role play games force you, force you to pair up with other human beings to play. I would rather live in a solo Azeroth, a world that's just me, and I don't have to interact with anyone to run a dungeon. All right? Because of things like this. I can't stand drama. I joined a guild out of reluctance after I had three level 60s. All right. After I had three level 60s on WoW Classic, I joined a guild because I'm frustrated because my gear just isn't good enough and people made fun of me for being level 60 and not having the gear that they have. 
That's why I joined the guild. All right. Then all this guild nonsense starts happening. And, and I have to give a shit because now I have to join another guild if I want to continue working on all the stuff that I need in World of Warcraft. All right. I got like three moon cloth bags full of bullshit that I need other people to help me get rid of out of my bank or else I just need to destroy them because they're all soul bound bullshit. And I'm frustrated that these games have forced me to work with other nerds, work with other nerds who have no life other than <laughs> a podcast and World of Warcraft. I am forced to work with these drama queens who are conniving. They form cliques. They have favorites. They have, they have confidants. You know, it's like Game of Thrones up in that shit. And as soon as it starts feeling like Young and the Restless, I want to log off and play with a tune that I is, is not a part of that guild. All right? <laughs> and, you know, as soon as it starts feeling like a soap opera, I'm out. I'm out. And that's how I feel in real life, is that, you know, I have no interest in your drama. There are far more interesting things to talk about other than, did he love her? Did she love him? And she loves somebody else and, no, and you just can't win? And so it goes until the day you die. This thing they call love, it's going to make you cry. You know, these are the kinds of things that I say in Guild Chat, and it's all dismissed because they're all so concerned about the fucking drama. So I might, leave, I might quit my guild on Wednesday. That's the next guild meeting. Uh, I bet I'll be one of four people there. I'm secretly hoping I get the guild all to myself. <laughs> then I get to do what I want with it. All right, 6.30. I'm going to go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. All right, so politically uh, correct Santa tells a crying kid he won't bring him a Nerf gun. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's a great story, and I love, I love great stories because there's so much we could say about a story like this. So a mall Santa dropped the hammer on a little boy who asked him for a Nerf gun on Christmas, telling the bawling kid he wouldn't bring him the toy. The politically correct Chris Kringle was caught on video asking the child what he wanted for the holiday, according to a Facebook post by the boy's mother. The boy apparently mentioned a gun because Santa could be heard saying, no, no guns. Dick. So the kid's mom, who was standing nearby, piped in, uh, just to be clear, a Nerf gun. The not-so-jolly old St. Nick was st still having nothing, none of it. <sighs> Fuck, you're irritating me. The, the writer of this article, I, I want to slap him, her, her, uh, quote, not even, not even a Nerf gun said the unmoved father Christmas who was sitting at a table surrounded by fake presents, uh, with the boy across from him, nervously holding his face mask, uh, in what looked like a mall quote, if your dad, this is what Santa said. If your dad wants to get it for you, that's fine, but I can't bring it to you. The Santa Claus said, what else would you like? Lots of other toys, Legos. There's bicycles, there's cars and trucks. What do you think? The, the child turned to his mom and burst into tears, continuing to sob even when she bent down to hug and comfort him and told him, you'll still get it. <laughs> it's not clear when or where the incident took place, but the Twittersphere reaction is swift and heavily against Santa. Quote, leftists are monsters, one user wrote. Another added, haven't kids been through enough this year? 
I give the mom credit because I would have caused a scene. And that, <clears throat> there's an update to this story. Um, I was making the notes and I was also listening to Louder with Crowder uh, this morning. And um, uh, Stephen Crowder was way, way ahead of the story. Uh, good for him. Uh, and he had the the parents of this kid and the kid on his show today. And uh, for all his flaws, Stephen Crowder did a great thing. He talked to the parents and said, hey, we'd love to send a cornucopia of Nerf guns to your son this Christmas. And in uh, to the credit of the parents, they said, well, we have been blessed enough this year to be able to give our son everything he needs. So then Stephen Crowder says, like, well, if maybe if we can give like uh, uh, a bunch of Nerf guns to his friends and so forth and uh, people in their community who could use it. And absolutely, absolutely do all that. Do all of that. Shower this kid with Nerf guns this year. Absolutely. After all, because this Santa was doing the wrong thing. You know, I don't know who talked to him. I don't know if it was somebody, an employee of the mall, you know, probably a female employee of the mall. And or or if it was just uh, his wife or somebody telling him like guns are bad or, or what, what motivated this Santa to say this to a child, you know, any child, you know, I, I guess I'm like Steven Crowder in the sense that, you know, when I was a kid and uh, even if it was a controversial item or expensive item, like if I came to Santa Claus in the mall, and so, uh, Santa as as a, a five year old, six year old like this kid was. You know, if I came to Santa in the mall and said, I want a Cherry 2000, I was like, oh, I don't know if you know what to do with that for at least 13 years. <laughs> so, you know, instead of saying that to the kid, you say, it's like, well, if you're, if you're an especially good boy, then maybe you'll get it. Because the Santa sh- doesn't know the parent's budget, doesn't know, you know, if they, can, if, they can, uh, if they can afford or want to give them that. Like the parents could have been somebody who didn't want to get their kid a Nerf gun. And so maybe Santa thought he was reinforcing the common idea of what parents think that their kids should have. You know, Nerf gun is not a gun. That being said, what a dick. And EK told me, it's like, uh, this Santa got fired. And I don't think that should be the case as well. Also, I don't think that should be the case. Um, you know, and I'll say this about, you know, making a mistake in this day and age is um, is kind of uh, problematic because that that mistake can be amplified, you know, to the point where this guy could have been playing Santa for, uh, for years, for decades, even, you know, been playing Santa in the mall and, you know, one little bird chirped in his ear and uh, he's saying like no guns or gun like things. (laughs) <laughs> you know all of a sudden santa's like you'll shoot your eye out to everything and so you know it could have been this one incident that propels him into infamy if you will to the point where it's like nobody ever noticed all the beautiful christmases where that you made children happy all the years up to this point you know and seasonal work getting fired two weeks before christmas is like uh you know that's a half your annual paycheck when it comes to that kind of seasonal work depends on how you file your taxes right that being said you know santa santa, santa should have uh, a little bit more um i don't know wisdom prudence 
Prudence. I like prudence. Let's go with prudence. Let's go to this next story. Uh, Minnesota residents' Christmas light display shamed for harmful impact to community in an an anonymous letter. (laughs) In St. Anthony, Minnesota, resident Kim Hunt received an anonymous letter from her uh, from. from a neighbor, I almost said her husband, because her husband, Mike Hunts. I'm sorry, that's my brain. It's an anonymous letter from a neighbor on Monday chastising that she and her husband, um, chastising she and her husband for the Christmas lights display. Quote, I couldn't help but notice your Christmas light display during these unprecedented times. Really? Anyway, during the these un- unprecedented times, we have all experienced challenges in which casual words just can't describe, which don't describe what we're feeling. The idea of twinkling, colorful lights are a reminder of divisions that continue to run through our society. Hold on. <clears throat> it just took a weird left turn. All right. The idea of twinkling, colorful lights are a reminder of the of divisions that continue to run through our society, a reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas, or who can't afford to put up lights of their own. The letter shared by Crime Watch Minneapolis reads, We must do the work of educating ourselves about the harmful impact an outward-facing display like yours can have. What? Okay, the letter challenges Hunt to respect the dignity of all people while striving to learn from differences, ideas, and opinions of our neighbors. We must come together and collectively and ch- collectively and challenge these institutional inequities. The letter concludes. Uh, St. Anthony is a community welcome- welcoming of all people, and we must demand better for ourselves. Hunt told Fox News that she and her husband were very surprised, shocked, and saddened by the letter. Quote, the lights give me joy after coming home from work as a nurse working with COVID. Oh, you're going to pull the COVID card? She said. Anyway, I wish... We could all celebrate diversity and honor everyone's traditions. Like, okay, <laughs> wait, almost done with the article, Madman. You can comment on it. Uh, she explained that um, these times that we live in are so divisive and that it's, it's a sad statement that Christmas lights have to be a target. Quote, we need to be inclusive of everyone. And let's face it, a lot of people put up holiday lights or decorate their homes for other occasions to bring beauty and happiness to what can be a very ugly world. She added. Hunt noted that three other households in the area have received the same letter, letter though it, does, it was not immediately clear if anyone knows the identity of the letter writer. The letter received pushback on social media with former Baltimore Ravens quarterback, who cares, Derek Anderson, replying, saw this coming a long time ago. If I can't have it, nobody can. And, or if they, if they have it, we all deserve it. That's not life. I agree with your statement, but who cares what he thinks? Okay, another user pointed out the irony that the letter writer is doing exactly what they accuse the homeowner of doing, not being accepting of others. And then there's a bunch of... I can't believe this is journalism these days, where they just repost people's tweets. You know, why can't you just, like, user so-and-so, quote, you know, I don't know, write? Don't copy and paste? Anyway, so... uh, Yeah, so the letter comes just two weeks ago before Christmas holiday. And so the idea, I guess, I guess, is the fact that these Christmas lights are uh, offensive for being (laughs) Christmassy because other people celebrate Kwanzaa, other people celebrate Hanukkah, 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, all right, this might be controversial to say, as far as I'm concerned, whatever you choose to decorate your, your property with is your business, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to put up like Cinco de Mayo signs all over your lawn on December 24th, that is your prerogative as a madman. If I were a madman and I owned property and I had uh, plenty of storage space to, <laughs> to pull a calendar man on the community that I live in and just like decorate for the wrong holiday every year, like put up Halloween on Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Walk around as a zombie in makeup on Valentine's Day. That's... You know, that's your prerogative. That's your property. That's how you decide to choose to choose to dress it up. But now you're talking about the fact that you're emitting light from your property that is emanating into my eyes. And because of the light that's emanating from your property into my eyes denotes a certain religion and into my mind. And therefore, I am offended by it. You know, those people who think that way can go fuck themselves. All right, then go take a long walk off a short pier. I know I, you know, I blew my wad with the go f yourself thing. All right, and so it's not it's not an issue of disrespecting people by putting up lights celebrating your religious or and or pagan holidays when it comes to Christmas. All right, so you know you're just offended. You're just a Karen. You're a Karen in the world. You're a scold. You're, you're a woke scold. And it's like, you are not paying attention to me. And therefore, everything you do, if everything you do is not paying attention to me, therefore, you're a racist, you know, bigot, uh, Zionist, whatever. Whatever. And that's what the issue is. It's a bunch of people writing anonymous letters, either to people in their neighborhood or people on Amazon or people, you know, you know people to people to Google. And it's like this thing offends me, so you need to take it down. And if and if five people complain, then they're just like, well, we'll take it down. So I can just shut these people up. And that's what they're expecting to happen in your neighborhood. And that's what they're expecting to happen in your community. If enough people, if enough. If all five people who are offended by it complain, then it needs to be taken down. No, no. If the if if my white skin offends you, that that's on you. That's on you. If you think that my pale, pasty skin gives me some sort of privilege in life, you are very wrong and very racist. Okay. Because that's not how these things work. You don't think about me. <laughs> you, don't ex- you can't expect me to think about you as much as you think of you. Because I don't give a shit about you. I'm a human being. And I don't want this drama. What would you do if you got a letter like that? A letter like uh, somebody in the neighborhood. I would make a rebuttal. I would make an anonymous rebuttal letter. To see, this is, this is the kind of thing I would do. If I were in the neighborhood, not a bunch of Christmas lights up, uh, and somebody and somebody gave me an anonymous letter saying I would write a rebuttal letter and put it in all the uh, newspaper boxes <laughs> because that's not a felony. <laughs> Tampering with the mail is a felony. I would put it in all the newspaper boxes of the people in my neighborhood, in every single neighbor, so they all got it. So they all understood my position, which was basically the letter would, you know, basically be go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's none you. It's none your business. It's none your business. You know, it, it, <laughs> you know, 
you know, it's it's like it's like Halloween. It's like it's like somebody on the 30th of October writing a letter to everybody in their neighborhood saying, I am offended that you plant, you've decorated your house with all this Halloween gear, and I've seen your children running around outside in their Halloween costumes, trying them out, and I know you're going to be giving out candy this year, and that is offensive to people with diabetes. You know, you don't have to eat the candy. You don't even have to like the holiday. You know what? I don't like Christmas. You know? <laughs> I don't like Christmas, but I'm not going to let you destroy other people's enjoyment of it, <laughs> even though I hate it. <laughs> Let's go on to the next story. Uh, New York Times editor slammed for reporting restaurants' alleged violation of COVID protocols. Quote, great job, Karen. <clears throat> Excuse me. A New York Times editor took to Twitter Monday to gloat and that he ratted out a restaurant he believed was violating coronavirus protocols, but he was swiftly met with criticism for snitching on the establishment. Uh, Times Deputy Editor Dan Saltstein spouted, uh, spotted, <laughs> spotted a restaurant with an outdoor dining setup, and he apparently didn't think was safe, as the establishment instructed pedestrians to walk through the makeshift tent for outdoor diners. Saltstein snapped images of the setup and tweeted them with a caption, I'm sorry, is this legal? In a follow-up tweet, Saltstein gloated that, the reporter to, that he reported the restaurant to 311, which is New York's hotline for non-emergency calls. By the way, 311 is for any city. You know, 311, 411, all the, uh, the 911, all the, like, through the numbers, there's, you know, like, like 811, I think it's like phone repair. There's a bunch of different functions. Anyway, so they reported uh, the restaurant to 311, which is New York's hotline for non-emergency calls. Quote, this is a quote from a tweet from Dan Salstein. You know, I feel terribly for restaurant owners and don't want people to pile on, he wrote. But I did give them a call and reported them to 311. Anyway, the, uh, the, Twitter, the Times editor was hit with a backlash on ratting out the business. And again, we got a bunch of tweets. So uh, I'm going to read the highlights from the tweets that they copy and pasted. This is not journalism, Fox News. Um, uh, one quote from DFFF23. Of course you did, third grade tattletalers. <laughs> um, uh, uh, some, someone, someone else said, uh, when it comes down to it, they're all repress, repressed hall monitors. Good. good uh, is that a metaphor or an analogy? It's one of those. Um, <laughs> Tony Pajamas simply said snitch. <laughs> um, another said, great job, Karen. You're so brave. A lot of snitches. Um, and I think, uh, you know, obviously they wanted people to pile on. Meanwhile, uh, Gov New York governor, Andrew Cuomo on Monday threatened to implement tighter restrictions on indoor dating statewide dining statewide. If hospitalization rates don't improve. If after five days, the region's hospital rate has not been stabilized, indoor dining will be closed or be reduced. <laughs> God, that guy. Andrew Cuomo. Anyway, uh, last month, bars, restaurants, and any other establishments with state liquor licenses were required to end indoor and outdoor dining by 10 p.m. after the governor said data showed establishments where, uh, where alcohol is served, gyms, and indoor gatherings 
at private homes uh, were contributing to the spread of the coronavirus. The order came just weeks after New York restaurants were permitted to resume indoor dining at 25% capacity on September 30th after months of being shut down. Now, as a, like a caveat to the story, I, I, I hope you've heard about the, the, uh, the incident with, what's it called, Ma Max Public House in New York, am I right? Have you heard this story, EK? Hey, one more time. Max Public House in, in, okay, in Staten Island? Uh, yeah, so uh, they've been fighting this uh, whole New York thing, and it's, um, I'd hate to be, uh, get all ace freely here and get back in the New York groove, but I mean, it's, um, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, um, New York is kind of the epicenter of where all this um, uh, <laughs> fascistic, you know, COVID lockdown is, is going on. And I think that, you know, New York has been kind of an epicenter of, of all that. And it, I think there's going to be people in these communities that are going to be fighting, uh, fighting the good fight, <laughs> just like uh, Washington did on Manhattan Island back in the day. And so, I mean, it's yeah, you got to fight, you got to fight these tyrants that are running around. You're like telling you, you know, you can't go to a restaurant, and then you know, ten minutes after they make the announcement, you find them in a restaurant with you know, fifty people. Anyway, I wish I can go on longer rants so much of the time and i wish there was more whiskey but that being said let's go on this next story uh four americans this is an update from last week four americans who were held captive in british virgin islands have been released so four americans who have been quote held captive quote unquote in the british virgin islands for two weeks were finally finally released on thursday john hines uh lenny ann hines and nicholas Cantro and uh, Janine McKinnon were taken into custody by British Virgin Islands authorities last month after they said they accidentally sailed into their territorial waters. Uh, they had been in contact with U.S. State Department officials. Officials. Uh, this is a quote. We are aware that uh, the U.S. citizens previously detained in the British Virgin Islands have been released, the State Department spokesman told Fox News. After being held captive, then released, John Hines said they took a four-hour boat ride to St. Thomas to plan to fly home to the United States on Friday. A three-hour tour. Um, quote, we are wiped out, he said, when uh, reached by text message on Thursday. <laughs> he woke up on a flight. What? Yeah, we are wiped out, yo. <laughs> uh, the Americans were apprehended on November 19th as they sailed through their ter ter territorial waters, according to the BVI's Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions. Persecutions. I almost said persecution. Prosecutions. Big difference. The four Americans were uh, then placed into mandatory quarantine uh, at a local hotel as part of a COVID-19 preventative measure, BVI authorities said. As BVI's British Virgin Islands, obviously. On Tuesday, 12 days after they were apprehended, the four pleaded guilty to illegal entry and each paid a $1,000 fine. That's what they wanted. That's all they wanted was some money. You know, they... Uh, we did the story last week where they wandered into their waters. So because they were scared of COVID, they came up to the boat. They were scared that these people who entered their territorial waters were carrying COVID. And so their Coast Guard or what they're, you know, the British Virgin Islands equivalent of the Coast Guard came up and boarded the ship, arrested the people on the ship, took the sh people on the ship back to the mainland, put them in a hotel because they were scared that they had COVID and they didn't want to affect the people of their island supposedly and now after two weeks of quarantine they're 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 released 
Anyway, so Hines told WHAM that their captain, Cancro, paid a uh, $20,000 fine with credit cards after they first... Credit cards? Oh, he maxed out a couple of them, didn't he? Okay, so after they were first ahemet, uh, apprehended, but VB, VBI... BVI authorities would only accept cash. Kevin Gregory, another American sailor who had run into BVI authorities last month, told the Virgin Island Daily News that hey, he had to pay $20,000 in a fine in order to be promptly released. That's all they want. They want the money. Quote, I said, uh, I've got a crew that's got to leave. The, uh, Gregory told the newspaper, I can't hang out and fight this thing. I have to be able to leave and litigate later. So, <laughs> you ever seen that movie? This is a kind of related aside. You ever seen that movie, Captain Ron? All right, a Kurt Russell movie. Really good movie. I really enjoy that movie. Martin Short, Kurt Russell. And um, uh, uh, he ends up like trading a ride with these uh, gorillas. With a U, not a no. Gorillas. Uh, he ends up trading a ride for some automatic weapons, right? a Mac 10 and a couple of 45s right martin short finds out that he has these weapons and he takes the weapons and he throws them overboard thinking that is like oh oh honey is she like what'd you throw overboard it's like automatic weapons honey captain ron just traded these these gorillas for automatic weapons for get this pirates of the caribbean right because in even he even earlier in the movie, Martin Short makes a reference, been to uh, Disneyland way too many times, Captain Ron? And no, the pirates exist. Pirates still exist. They still exist in the areas they have always existed. Southern coast of Australia, northern coast of, uh, I'm sorry, southern coast of Africa, you know, the, the Cape, Cape Horn, I want to say, or is that the South America? Anywhere. Down there around, you know, South Africa and Madagascar, you know, Somalia, you know, pirates still exist and they still exist in the Caribbean. The pirates of the Caribbean still exist. All right. Sometimes they're assisted by their parent nation. Anyway, I got five minutes left, so I want to get through these two happier stories in order to uh, lighten the mood before we leave for the week. So, let's go on to this next story. Massive goldfish discovered in South Carolina Lake. <laughs> so, a massive nine-pound goldfish has been discovered in, South Carolina, in a South Carolina lake after officials were performing a routine water quality test, a report says. Ty Houck, a, uh, the director of Greenway's Na uh, Natural and Historic Resources at the Greenville County Parks Department, told the state that he did, know, did not know how long the fish had been the oak, in the Oak Grove Lake, but guessed it, is, it had been someone's pet that they didn't want anymore. Quote, our guess is that someone didn't want to kill their fish, but they couldn't take care of it anymore, Houck told the news outlet. Uh, Greenville rec also posted a photo of the fantastic fish on their Facebook page. Go look for it. It's huge. Though most goldfish are tiny, living, uh, uh, living in small bowls, Hauk said that their size can vary greatly, recalling one from his old childhood. They grow to the size of their environment, he added. Given its large size, it's likely that it's very old, with Hauk's mother referring to it as Methuselah. Quote, this, may, this might be Methuselah of Oak Grove Lake, Hauk said of the nine-pound fish, while also notes, uh, noting its survival skills. 
In addition to its longevity, Hauk said the goldfish must have a pretty good survival skills after dredgings after some dredging was done at the lake's headwaters earlier this year. Goldfish aren't native to South Carolina lakes. But <laughs> uh, that's not a quote. That's just something they felt they had to put in there. They're not native to South Carolina lakes, but are not considered invasive. Commenting on its size, Hauk also noted that the lake uh, is healthy as a result of its nuclear and not a result of any nuclear exposure. <laughs> Damn Simpsons. Uh, we are uh, we are downstream of nuclear power plant. How explain? There's actually just the opposite. It's, it is obviously health, healthy enough at Oak Grove Lake for a goldfish to get that big, he added. See, I, I'm pretty sure I've been to Oak, Oak, Oak Grove Lake. And so um, here's the thing about goldfish is that uh, they grow to the size of their environment. And I don't know if you've ever had a goldfish and, you know, and it died on you, which happened to me um but if you give them enough room you know they can get pretty big they can get pretty pretty big i i want to say that goldfish come from asia i that's uh what's popping in my head or it's it's some sort of carp i'm sure hold on let me look this up real quick goldfish uh not the crackers okay yeah i'm gonna most commonly aquarium fish blah 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 carp family yep they're carp Goldfish are native to East Asia. I knew it. And so, you know, uh, if you find one in like a lake in South Carolina, the the concept is that some some kid had a goldfish from their kid, and they kept pretty good care of it up until the point they lost interest. They moved away, or the you know, oh, he's fourteen now. He's 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 gone for two days at a time, or you know, you dump him into a lake because you know you don't you don't who why would you want to flush him into into the toilet? All right, because that whole Finding Nemo concept of all pipes lead to the ocean is insane. There's a lot of screens <laughs> in between us and the ocean, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a lot of chemicals as well. So not all pipes lead to the ocean. So, I mean, I think it's interesting because the story of this goldfish goes back to some, some kid's childhood <laughs> where they go on a, like a goldfish at a state fair or something like that. You know, they, they, they hit the ring on the, on the spike or whatever like that, and they won a goldfish, and this is where it ended up, in a lake in South Carolina. <laughs> but it's not an invasive species. It's not like snakehead, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it just grew big because it had room to grow. Anyway, let's go to this last story. We've got about a minute left. So two young kids take parents' Rage Rover for a ride from New York to Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> two cousins aged 12 and 7 took a Range Rover belonging to one of their parents from New York City and ended up near the border shared between New Jersey and Delaware on Monday, authorities said. Police officers from the 106th Precinct in Queens received reports of a stolen vehicle around 10 a.m. Uh, a parent said the two kids had taken the vehicle after they had uh, re reviewed home surveillance footage. How mad were they after that? When they watched that footage, it's like, oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> They took the car. Uh, a police source told Daily News the stunt may have been inspired by an internet challenge where a car was driven until the gas tank was empty. The pair, a 12-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl, were tracked down by authorities using license plate readers and toll road, te toll road technology as they drove into Staten Island. The boy refused attempts by authorities to get him to pull over because he never had that PE class where they teach kids, like, if they're in your rear view and they're flashing their lights, that means pull over. 
<laughs> the boy refused attempts by authorities to get him to pull over, uh, the newspaper said. Other attempts by New Jersey state troopers to stop the vehicle were unsuccessful. The children were found at a rest stop, rest stop near the New Jersey-Delaware border where they tried using a credit card to purchase cookies. <laughs> triggering an alert to their location. Uh, the kids were injured, were uninjured, and no accidents related to the joyride were reported, authorities said. They are brought back into the city to speak with police. An investigation of the inc- incident is ongoing. So let me tell you something. If you're, 12, if you're 12 years old or you're 7 years old and you're watching this podcast, what's wrong with you? Where are your parents? All right. Second, uh, second of all, uh, never, ever, ever try to drive a car if you're not licensed to do so. You know, there's a, it's a very complicated process, kids. All right. You can't just assume that it's very easy because, because you see adults doing it all the time. That's just not how it works. Okay. So you got to be careful. <laughs> you got to watch your kids. And so, and so that's the question. It's like, was a 12 year old watching the seven year old? And so that's what I'm wondering. Was there a no, no adult watching them? And so I, I think this can bring up an argument of like, how old is an old enough for a kid to, you know, be a babysitter, you know, and is 12 too young? I think, yes, 12 is too young, especially if the keys to a vehicle are inside the house. You know, uh, I guess, I guess you just have to be uh, knowledgeable of how smart kids can be because after all, they are humans. They're smarter than raccoons because they have this, you know, they have the thumb. They have a thumb and they have a brain, which is bigger than a raccoon's, even at 12 years old. Anyway, so this has been a very interesting show. Uh, I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron. I would appreciate it. You can also send me cash through cash, ta- uh, cash app. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Um, if you can't do any of that, I would appreciate you go to my YouTube channel, search for shockmonkeyradio on YouTube or BitChute and like, share, and subscribe to my videos. Um, I also have books over on uh, Amazon for digital download. Just search for the uh, writer Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. That's Scott L. Robbins, two T's and two B's. And get my copies of Exit 13, Ravings of a Madman, and The Bunny Years, a memoir. And so uh, I wanted to also tell you, it's like I got a new show coming tomorrow at uh, 9 a.m. is I'm going to release a show with Scott Wharton, comedian Scott Wharton. Uh, called Scott versus Scott, and we're going to be debating a bunch of issues. And if you have any comments or topics you want us to talk about for that show, you can leave them in the comments. Look out for that coming at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, I would appreciate it. But in the meantime, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you. <laughs>